Hi, this is uh, Bookish Talk, uh, the shorter version of iBook Bindings podcast. And uh, uh, today we return to Anjaya Kuna, a book artist from Hawaii. Uh, um, so let's just <laughs> move forward. <laughs> Will you show it, uh, show us your workshop? Can, can you show us around somehow? What? Yeah. My studio doesn't have very great lighting because in the daytime it it's super bright and you can see the jungle back there um, <laughs> this is one table space this is from olive and oak mm, i um, i can barely see it i have to say stepan you you i i i know this this press so yeah you can you can definitely find some pictures online pavel it's it's uh -huh, uh, it's, uh -huh, uh -huh. it's a known model <laughs> and the beautiful uh, beast <laughs> this is my handmade sewing frame <laughs> okay that's that's nice uh, what are those bones are those horses again Oh, this is a cow bone. Yeah. Oh, and this is um, a pig. <laughs> its teeth. Um, do uh, do you use teeth? Uh, teeth too. Yeah, it has teeth too. <laughs> um, yeah, that's this is my studio. It's just about a bunch of found furniture. And there's there's no system. I'll just be on one table, gotta do the next step. I'll just pick the floor some days. <laughs> well, this is great when you can work in different on different stations and uh, yeah, depending on, mean, your, on your current mood. <laughs> it's a lot better than my living room on the floor <laughs> with my cat. <laughs> and and where do where do you make your paper? because uh, that needs uh, uh, water and uh, pulp goes everywhere do you make it in the very same space no i make paper outside um so this is my studio and it's on a coffee farm that my friends own but when i make paper i make it at a different farm where i live it's a fruit farm <laughs> and so um there's just a lot more space and uh you could just get messy with the water and all the pulp gets really messy so i, I don't do it in here at all yeah and there's a lot more sunlight as well that's how i drive paper is just by sunlight so uh my studio is at six sixteen hundred feet elevation so there's not a lot of sun um it's just a shorter period of time in the day where there's sun and then I live around 900 feet elevation where it's hotter <laughs> and more sun. This is perks of living in, in a warm climate. Yeah, I'm actually, it's too hot today though. <laughs> like the mosquitoes are getting me. Well, it's, it seems it seems that it's hot everywhere besides uh, you know Paris and Versailles because I I saw uh, a forecast for Moscow with something like uh, uh, plus uh, 35 uh, 40 centigrade or something like that in Moscow I I don't know what's what's that in, in 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit 100, 105 and or, or oh. even more or something like that yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know if you guys got to go right now, but <laughs> my studio is in the back of the roaster. Okay. That's interesting. So that's a coffee roaster. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's too dark to see anything right now. And could uh, could you show us that uh, paper press you mentioned, or is it in uh, on the other farm? No, I, I don't have a paper press. I have um, a book press. Yeah. No, no, no. You you told you told us you used uh, 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 volcanic rocks uh, as as a press. That's at home. That's that's a different location. Yeah, because I've been utilizing this one to yeah. press books together now, but before it was <laughs> rocks. <laughs> And uh, uh, and do uh, do you yourself feel more comfortable working in the uh, in the more makeshift uh, manner, like what you find you use, or do you enjoy precise processes using specialized equipment? What? I think I enjoy the creative resourcefulness part, actually, which is hilarious because I'm at this point where I bought like a three thousand dollar book press. And now I just want to go out in the jungle and just use rocks. <laughs> because before I had a studio, I used to take my tools to the beach or, you know, outside and just make do with what I had. During the first part of our talk, you mentioned that you uh, uh, want to experiment with uh, uh, building some uh, unusual book, uh, maybe with some bamboo elements or something like that. And uh, uh, my, my first idea was, uh, not, not first idea, but first uh, uh, link sort of uh, that appeared to me was to uh, palm leaf books uh, that are traditional in some, uh, some regions of Asia. And uh, I, I, I have absolutely no idea if you can make something similar with the uh, uh, I don't know, slices of bamboo or something like that. But, uh, palm leaf books? Yeah, palm, palm leaf books, yeah. It's, they leave it? Yeah, they, so they, they, uh, they, uh, they use palm leaves and uh, these, these books have this sort of elongated shape and uh, uh, they would write on, on the palm leaves either with ink oh. or or they will use a styler uh, just to make impressions in the in the uh, palm leaf. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, well, I get. I guess you can slice bamboo in thin sheets like paper and uh, try to you know to create some impressions on the on these sheets. But I don't know if can if it can work. If that would work. I I, I know the, I know the main problem with them that. Uh, the way they bind them is like, you know, like a modern organizer. So yeah. you get uh, those loops and uh, mm -hmm. they are uh, on, on it. And that's not a very durable arrangement. I mean, yeah. 
leaves on a on something uh, something like a wire well not not a wire but some, uh, something that can easy, easily break yeah. and yeah. yeah yeah but they do look uh, uh, look amazing i visited uh, an uh, ancient eastern literature section of uh, uh, the moscow library and they have uh, indian and bangladeshi uh, palm leaf books and they they look like I don't know, like nobody created this paper. Like it's somehow, it's all very natural, very, very, very organic look to it. Wait, I want to write this down. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, somewhere, maybe, uh, I'm not sure. I think on, on, on Sri Lanka, uh, they uh, uh, made a lot of effort recently to dig digitize uh, uh, lots of uh, these manuscripts because otherwise they, they, well, they can be lost because uh, of their endangered state and uh, their uh, condition. And uh, the, well, of course, uh, some of these manuscripts are uh, popular on, uh, on, uh, on the world market and uh, that, that also one of the reasons uh, reasons why they may be endangered uh, uh, but uh, at least I, I think they have uh, they have some sort of digitized collection uh, uh, now so you can uh, you can see them online maybe and uh, and i'm pretty sure i've seen a video course or at least some kind of educational uh, video on the process uh, uh, in english so people i uh, i interesting uh, interested in the structure mostly because of how it uh, how it looks uh, uh, i'm not sure about the functional bit though uh, they do, they do look very very brittle i i'd be afra uh, afraid to use it but maybe you can think of some some kind of modification yeah i'll, I'll make a video and um share it with you guys if i succeed <laughs> okay perfect so speaking of uh, videos could you tell us about uh uh the videos you make uh, currently videos i make um, I, 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 I may be wrong, but I think you've made, uh, 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 you, you have a, a separate channel, not about... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you found that? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually have two artist websites. One was just bookbinding, and then the other was all my other art, including video. Um, and I love film, but, but not like Hollywood, just like uh, using video uh, as a medium. And they're usually just incredibly abstract. Um, so it's just one of my hobbies. And I, I get to incorporate it sometimes when I'm documenting my books. Um, I mean, did you have a particular question about one of the videos? No, no, no I, I was wondering about the process and about where you want to take it ne uh, next. Is it just a hobby or maybe documenting a book could be a, a project uh, uh, in itself that could be taken on the next level? Yeah, oh my God, I love, I mean, whenever I get the chance to mix different mediums together, 
like my very first book was photography, fashion, writing, poetry. Um, and then I got to, um, I didn't show you, but all the way at the end, I actually, I was into fashion for a while and I wanted to be a fashion designer. And then I hated the, I hated the community, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, anytime I get to use my camera to create beautiful shots, it's just like moving photography. It's like composition is what I love about film. Um, and then weaving it together to create a dialogue and sometimes, most of the time, I don't use dialogue. I just use visual dialogue to, to tell a story like how I tell my books with uh, material. And I guess that's the process of my video stuff. <laughs> yeah, I deleted my old artist website. So I wasn't sure what you were talking about at first. I forget I have a YouTube channel. <laughs> Yeah, we try to do our research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if if we return to uh, your teaching experiment experience, uh, can you talk talk a bit about that and uh, who who is your audience and uh, uh, did you like it? Oh, I I loved it. Yeah, I um, it was my first time teaching, and I was teaching children from nine to twelve. And I was really scared because I can um, relate. <laughs> yeah, it's a little scary there. <laughs> and then it's a lot more responsibility. Um, and I've never been a disciplinarian before. So um, that was actually the hardest challenge for me was disciplining to yell at them when they're being bad. <laughs> but uh the leading question for my sessions was how to be a good ancestor. Um, so the children explored that with their art process. So, you know, making art that isn't harmful, is it biodegradable? Does it mean something to you? Can it relate to other people? Um, you know, what materials are you gonna use? Are you gonna borrow things from nature? Can you put it back? How much can you take? All these questions, right? And then this idea that even though we are in present time, you are an ancestor for the future generations, what would you like to leave gifts for them? So one of them would be creating or preserving, you know, the island, the landscape, or creating art that's going to test time and give it some age and as an example of the yesteryears. So they were really excited. Um, some of them didn't care what I said. It kind of just went over their head because they just wanted to touch water and pulp. And, you know, that was still a lot of fun because we were making it so visceral. Um, yeah, I mean, my kids are just incredibly intelligent and, and really rowdy. Apparently, I had the rowdiest class, like, ever. <laughs> and anyway, yeah, so we made paper and then book binding was even harder for them because it's, uh, it's a spatial challenge. So when you're weaving, 
you kind of have to see it in 3D in your head and kind of know the pattern and the repetition. And so I had guides for them, but that was still kind of hard. So I had to sit with each student and show them and have them watch me. And um, if they were on the opposite side of the table, it never worked. They had to be right next to me. <laughs> how many How many kids did, did you have uh, uh, in your class? I had 13. Wow, that's that's too much. I, uh, I, I, I found out that it's hard way that uh, when there are uh, more than 10 adults in the class, it's too much and you, you need uh, some help and uh, you need uh, uh, another person who will, uh, you know, uh, help you with, with teaching. Uh, but when there are more than, I think, six kids, you already need help. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, it was it was challenging to be I had I had volunteers, I had helpers help me out, but you know, I'd have to reiterate what I want them to do to the volunteer. So it's just like an extra person to tell someone to. So it's like 14 students, for example, but the last uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and do, do, do you prefer to work with the younger kids or with the older kids? And what do you get from them? Um, I feel like I'm a kid at heart sometimes, so I could, I, I, when they talk about, um, movies or music, I can kind of relate to them because I'm one of the younger teachers in the program with the, with the younger, I'm also, <laughs> sometimes I have a very cr crass mouth, so I have to watch myself. And the kids appreciate it sometimes, you know, they're like, oh, oh, you can't say that around or whatever, you know, they tease me. So it's a lot of fun. But then I feel really, really guilty with the younger kids <laughs> if I did that. Um, and I feel a lot more protective, like I don't trust them with my artist knife or with a needle, you know, with the bigger kids, I really like the fact that I can have a conversation with them and be like, I'm letting you use my knife. That's, it's a lot of responsibility I'm handing over to you. So if I see this knife in somebody else's hands, I know you gave it to them and I didn't give you consent. They're like, okay, okay, this means a lot, you know, they get it. <laughs> um, so that's what, I think that's what I really like about working with the older kids. Uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that you were afraid uh, uh, before the first class because it 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 completely uh, I, I had completely same experience uh, uh, but uh, I I've been teaching bookbinding for several years uh, for adults and then I was invited to uh, teach uh, teach a class uh, for kids uh, uh, a series of classes uh, sort of a, a Sunday school <laughs> of uh, book arts and. Uh, uh, I was absolutely afraid and uh, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. I, I was sure that uh, they will eat me alive and uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to, you know, to, uh, uh, to make them uh, uh, listen to me and to, to, to interest them in, 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 in all that stuff. But it was so amazing in the end. And uh, I, 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 I think uh, it was almost a year or something I've been teaching this uh, Sunday class and uh, uh, in the end I understood that uh, kids are much better students than adults. <laughs>
<laughs> so I had much more problems with adults not not listening to me, not following my advice recommendation because they know better how to do the things. Especially, you know, if the if that's uh, older adults like uh, like the age of our parents or something, yeah. <laughs> they they know better than some young youngster who is trying to you know say tell tell them how to do things properly. Oh, but wow. the, but uh, the other thing you mentioned with the knives and stuff and. Uh, this is uh, uh, this uh, corner cutting uh, jigs for uh, for making book covers. This is something that I, I started to make uh, exactly uh, when I uh, uh, started teaching this class with kids because uh, I was just afraid they will cut off their fingers from <laughs> <laughs> books. So I decided to make something, some some protective jig that will allow them, you know, not to cut over their fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's that's really clever. Yeah, I, I had to pre-cut the um, the Davy board for them yeah. for class. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That that's that's a frightening moment when they are cutting stuff with yeah. the hobby knives. Right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's a great experience, and I'm uh, uh, I'm a bit sad that I I don't have a chance to uh, teach anymore. But maybe in the future. Oh, is it because of the pandemic? Uh, no, no. We, well, we moved from Russia to the Netherlands several years ago, and it's just I, I, I didn't have an opportunity and time to to do any teaching because of uh, I spend all my time uh, uh, working on my business now, and uh, uh, now we moved to France, and we need to settle in, and uh, I, I spend all the time on that, and. Uh, uh, to teach somebody in France, you need to know to speak French. Right. <laughs> that's a bit of an issue for me because I only started to learn French and I'm definitely far, far away from, from a moment when I, I will be able to, 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 you know, to teach in French language. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think you should, uh, you should totally return to it. I always uh, remember the words of a colleague uh, uh, who's also a teacher and I was asking him uh, how he, did he come to it and why uh, is he still working because it's not the highest paid job in the world and he says that every time he teaches kids he he's reminded how much better they are uh, than adults. I don't really like adults, he says. <laughs> <laughs> and in some and in some respects, of course, of course, he, he's uh, he's right. It's so much easier to talk to a child. I mean, if he doesn't understand, he'll tell you. If he doesn't like something, he'll tell you. And then and they are always if if you can interest them in the process, they're all in. I mean, nothing exists by but this one 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 process one moment. I really mm -hmm. like this about them. <laughs> Yeah, they are really honest. Um, like, Auntie Andrea, what kind of music do you like? Do you like old music? And I was like, oh, I love music. Like, oh, I thought you were cool. Like, what? <laughs> Jazz is cool. <laughs> start How can you not like jazz? <laughs> So, do you have any 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 plans for for the classes uh, in the in the nearest future or in the future in general? 
So, um, I, so my last week in the program, I taught bioarchitecture and I showed them different kinds of um, homes uh, built around the world made from natural materials, from locally sourced materials at different climates and different elevations to inspire the kids to look locally, you know? And so we made these smaller dioramas of their future bio homes. So we harvested because the center, the art center, is surrounded by a jungle. Um, and so I had them pick up twigs and branches, leaves, banana leaves, whatever, glue sticks or hot glue guns and teaching them how to weave and yada, yada, yada. And it was a lot of fun and just chaotic inspiration <laughs> everywhere. Uh, <laughs> and um, it was, you know, it was fun because I wanted to do it. And so I got to do it with the kids. So if someone said, I want to make a Hobbit house, I'd sit down with them, sketch it out. Like, okay, how should we start? What's the engineering? How is it going to look organic? Um, some people wanted to make bamboo houses. So I collected a bunch of bamboo from the farm and brought it to the center. So yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. My mistake was, I got too excited with them. I had this presentation and I told them what we were gonna do and they all just started screaming. Yeah, can I make this? Can I make that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they start getting up and they start getting materials and I'm just like, sit down, we're gonna do this together. And they just wanted to just do it. And it made me a little frazzled and they kind of swayed me and we just so all of a sudden we're in studio time. I should have done is teach them different techniques. Um, like even a week before, like a whole week of just teaching them building techniques like weaving and, you know, um, like built like block building blocks that could just fit together like furniture and stuff and then have it have them do it on their own when it was time to create their bio homes. Instead, it was the complete opposite. It was like every five minutes, it was like, Miss Anjaya, Auntie Anjaya, I need your help. What do I do? What's this? <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it was also very chaotic. <laughs> well, it's a great experience in any way. Yeah, so the goal was every person makes a house or whatever. And then we'll put it together and it becomes this like village. Um, so when they were done, they wanted to play with it and wanted to take it home, but it's gonna be in the art show that's coming out next week. So that's what I wanted to do. And around the world, they do build like big, uh, big house type structures entirely uh, by hand, like they weave houses like you would a giant basket that kind of thing was yeah. that the technique you were using so you That's one of the techniques yeah yeah um like massive basket weaving or just using clay um and then with like bamboo you could actually make like legos you know you make them fit together so that's what we were doing exploring all those techniques uh, are there any techniques traditional for Hawaii? Um, that's kind of, so they use 
they're usually like this with no walls. It's just like an A-frame. And then they use um, palm leaves as the roofing. So it's like wood, bamboo, um, and then the palm roofing. So it's like layers. So that's, that's how they were living. Um, some of them lived in caves as well, in the volcanic tunnels. But that didn't last very long ever since um, Hawaii was colonized. A lot of the Hawaiian traditional houses are gone. And also from volca volcanic activity as well. So there's not a lot of research on it. Uh, you mentioned uh, that uh, it's important to keep in mind that we're ancestors of uh, people who will live in the future and uh, that there should be this uh, connection to the uh, nature, ground and traditions and uh, uh, that you should keep in mind that there is something you need to pass on to the future and that, that uh, you need to you know, make sure that there exists any future for, uh, for our ancestors. And uh, unfortunately, some people uh, prefer not to think about it and <laughs> to to live like uh, there is no future, there are no 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 life for for the kids and uh, I don't know grandchildren. But uh, the other thing that uh, uh, this uh, thing reminded me of is uh, uh, some discussions that we had with uh, book conservators on our podcast uh, uh, because uh, uh, it seems that in the in the past few years uh, book conservation uh, changed even more uh, to uh, using uh, less invasive uh, uh, materials and uh, and uh, chemicals and uh, uh, adhesives and all that stuff in the first place and then this is just how the uh, you know the attitude of uh, many uh, what the attitude of many book conservator conservators is that you you're making a, an object that will be interacted with for many decades and maybe for 200 years and you are working on this object keeping in mind the person who will work with it in 200 years or something like that so yeah. uh, this is interesting how uh, these uh, you know uh, uh, traditional approach can can uh, sort of made with, with this scientific approach of uh, book conservators. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me think of like mummies, like yeah. mummifying boxes um, <laughs> with, with honey and like beeswax and other stuff they were using, like all natural materials compared to what we do to corpses now with embalming fluids and chemicals and, you know, yeah. prosthetic teeth and all that stuff going into the earth. Yeah. Um, Rus Russian people do not, uh, do not have to go uh, far for, to, to get an example with uh, Lenin's uh, body is still laying on, on the red square in the very center of Moscow. So yeah, <laughs> but a lot of... <laughs> Well, a lot of chemicals and, uh, uh, you know, not not much of his body <laughs> left there. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> uh, there is actually a company in the U.S. officially mummifying clients, <laughs> so you so you can get you can get mummified now. Even uh, there is even some kind of premium service using all only organic materials but 
that I don't quite believe. But I like the idea. I mean, imagine your uh, 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 gr uh, uh, grand grandkids ca coming to touch your uh, black finger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how kids just can't stay off yeah. mummies. So the best way to ensure you, uh, you know your uh, your distant descendants. I keep pulling it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I I actually touched them a, a, a mummy in uh, uh, not in Egypt but in Kiev of all places. There is an old monastery which has an underground uh, part in the in the caves, a thousand year old caves, and uh, uh, there are bodies of monks. Uh, preserved in small niches, uh, like imagine uh, Rome's uh, catacombs, but yeah. still filled with uh, with people who are still uh, still venerated, and it's a really really strange uh, strange uh, place. Hundreds of people slowly going through underground tunnels, and from time to time touching a person from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. <laughs> I mean, uh, Christianity can be weird too. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. Can be. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a statement. <laughs> like, that's the only thing in Christianity that's weird. <laughs> I mean, to, mo to most other things, we just got used to, but every now and then you, you see something so raw so i don't know it seems prehistoric something you'd associate with pagans but actually it's it's a valid way of uh, expressing your uh, own veneration of your ancestors either genetic or spiritual i mean uh, people all over the world preserve uh, important, uh, important people don't just don't just bury them. Or, so why 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 not? I, I I'm fascinating uh, by it. A bit creeped out, obviously, <laughs> but uh, but I can respect that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot of like art and science collaborations with um, burials. So there's. Uh, um, mushroom growth there's this thing called mycelium so i forget the artist's name but she had invented a mycelium suit that you wear uh when you're buried in the ground so it can help decompose your body and you know in a vacuum um it it's ideally it's what should happen but with like the food that we eat the pollution and surgeries and you know teeth fillings for cavities um that's all toxic to the environment so it's just such a hard thing to control actually not to put a really dark damper on this podcast but during the pandemic <laughs> i shouldn't laugh that's not funny um in los angeles um there was a high a dangerous high rise of pollution because of all the cremations of the people who passed away during the pandemic. And that also happened because 
they were running out of space in the morgue. All my older siblings are nurses. So they were just telling me they had to like cremate or they had to rent out a whole trailer for an extra morgue because their morgue in the hospital was um, too crowded. Also, I don't know how we got to this subject. <laughs> well, it's life. Well, what, what can we do? And uh, now it's it's really a part of our lives. And uh, uh, yeah, I think I think there is uh, almost no no person on 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 this planet who is not touched by this uh, pandemic. So well. I, I think if there if there is a silver lining to the, uh, to this is uh, that people no longer can shove down shove away those uh, uh, thoughts about uh, about about, the, about death and perhaps with normalization uh, comes uh, I don't know it shouldn't be as as difficult as it is if the if the society if the society is uh, built around the, uh, as a support system for the fa for the family. It shouldn't it shouldn't be as difficult. And certainly, rituals rituals help, uh, and talking about it helps. So, uh, I I I, th I think uh, especially for the Western society where we tended to not to look at this part of of life, it will be therapeutic in in some general sense. Yeah, I, I mean, look at uh, I mean, look at us. We can we can talk about it. That's 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 you. It it came about and it's 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 with us now. Yeah. Yeah. Another another. I mean. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, by the way, I'm not surprised that uh, we got to this topic. You, you have this strange ba balance in you of childish joy and sudden moments of darkness. I, I like, I like how it go goes. <laughs> like, like you show us this uh, uh, exquisite book, and then you talk about how how it feels to walk over the hard ground. And I imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the effect of uh, living here everything is just everything feels um very balanced with life and death especially in the jungle especially on a farm yeah <laughs> and that's animals you know things decompose all the time and and mushrooms come out, mushrooms die, birds eat it, birds die, because my cats eat them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know about Pavel, he's, uh, he seems uh, very connected with, uh, uh, you know, nature and death and, uh, and, and, and everything like that, especially during the archaeological uh, uh, works. Uh, I'm I'm definitely much more disconnected uh, from all this stuff uh, living in, in in the city and uh, uh, only having a chance to you know to uh, uh, get in touch with uh, with this uh, reality when when we have some interesting guests. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs>
it's a little sleepy. It's nighttime over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time for that. Uh, well, I guess I guess it's time for us to wrap up. Uh, Pavel, Do you, may, may, maybe you have something else to add, Anja. Uh, is there anything you'd like to discuss or tell about uh, some project of yours? Um. I did mention some new projects earlier in the interview, but I to, to today before our podcast, I woke up at 5 a.m., got ready for work to work on a coffee farm. I had to prune a bunch of little koi vines, such as passion fruit. I was on a 12-foot ladder. A wasp came out and stung my face. Wow. Jumped from the ladder. <laughs> I had a handsaw. And I cut my fingers. <laughs> um, and then I got back to the farmhouse and ran up the stairs and fell pretty badly. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and then I just tried to heal myself with some beer and wine. So. <laughs> and you mentioned this only now, you know, after <laughs> took all this time to discuss all this random things. <laughs> Well, that's the last thing I'd like to share. <laughs> so the life goes on, especially with some beer and wine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, I guess uh, being surrounded by jungles helps too. Yeah. No, I mean I love being out here. That was I don't know why all that happened today. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not always like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope you will get better soon. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> um okay. Well, that that was a great talk. Thank you very much uh, for well, Thank you so much for inviting for me for everything and uh, I'm, I, I, I definitely want to see uh, some samples of uh, this paper you are going to make when uh, when uh, when it finally you know brewed and, and fermented perfectly and <laughs> ready for paper making so maybe we will ask you to uh, to um, to arrange a call with us to to schedule a call with us when when it's ready so um we'll see how it goes and uh good luck with your future projects uh, i hope to see a lot of new ideas from you and uh, new bindings and new you know experiments and uh, uh i'm sure you will invent a lot of stuff <laughs> and then make a lot of interesting stuff um as usual Thanks a lot to our supporters uh, on Patreon and to all of our community. Please check the links below to see Anjaya's projects and to support us on Patreon with, uh, with uh, a bit of your money. Uh, the money uh, goes uh, towards uh, editing of these uh, videos and uh, this is your support is very important to us. Uh, please share, like, subscribe, ring the bell and uh, stay with us. We have a lot of interesting stuff <laughs> going on and uh, coming to our channel. So see you soon. Thanks again, Andrea. Thank see you. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.